Okay, let's go to John 3, verse 36. You know, uh, as we were praying, as we was praying earlier, you know, for Keith and, and Ava, and, you know, uh, this message here, you know, we talked about it, Rose Kodesh, that we're on a journey. Naturally, we've come from uh, Passover as we're heading on to, so we're really heading from redemption to revelation. So we talked about the rite of passage. We talked about how we're on this journey. And on this journey, we saw, and we talked about it, Rosh Kodesh, that the children of Israel had several opportunities from overcoming thirst and overcoming hunger. And each one of the times that they had come up on these times of overcoming, they always grumbled instead of just thanking the Father for the journey. And then, what do you have for me here? What do you have for me at this stop? What do you have for me at this stop? And this is where we are in our journey here at River of Life. I know that talking with Bill at Jacob's Ten in different places, they're on their journey too. And along these journeys for these congregations, wherever they may be, uh, there's, there's stops along the way that the Father uses to teach us what He has for us to have. And so what I wanted to do, because we are heading, really, because we're heading to Shavuot. And at Shavuot, there's two main things that we get there. One is the Torah, the other is the Ruach, His Holy Spirit, His Spirit. And we know this. We, we've been through these journeys, but yet we're not perfected yet. And so there's something still for us, no matter how long we've been in here and been going through these cycles, there's something for us to press us toward maturity. It's just like we're still climbing that mountain. So what I did, wanted to do today was, is I wrote down the Holy Spirit what is his job and what is his part? And this is very important because there's how many of us know that Yahweh is love, but he's also the Yahweh of wrath. And we have to know that. So I wrote up here also blessing, blessings or wrath. This is the only two cards that's going to be given to you to play. Amen. This is this is the reward. Either we walk in his blessings or we will receive his wrath. And this is why this is so important. So I wanted to start out in verse 36. And I'm, this is no doubt going to be a two-part deal. Because I am going to go slow on this. Because this is, if we can't get this, because this is our ministry. Are we to be a light to the nations? Are we to be a light to the world? Are we to be a light to our family? First, we have to be a light to him to know that we're doing what he's asked us to do, to make sure that our life is, is in right relationship. And this right relationship is something that we need to make sure every day that it's, in, it's intact. Look what it says here. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I think we can all agree with that. But look what it says next. Because I was raised in church and I heard this scripture over and over and over and over again because I was raised in a congregation that taught salvation every week. But look what it says next. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of Elohim remains on him. 
I'm slowing down because I want this to sink in. Now, I want, to, I want to look at it like this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but do you know the word believe and obey is the same thing? There's a lot of people that will say, I believe in the Son, but they don't but obey His commandments. And there's also people that will teach, well, I don't do the commandments of the Father, but I do the commandments of Jesus. Like there's two separate things. Because they believe that Jesus come to do away with His Father's laws. That's the way they teach it. That's the way they're saying, this is why I'm saying what they say. But this is John. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey, and this is why I'm really wanting to, I don't want the wrath of Elohim remaining on me. But this is what he's saying is, see, we've been talking about for the last months, going through Halisa's workbook also, about the book of Revelation. And these seven congregations that's in Revelation, there's things that they had that they were doing well, and there were things in there that they wasn't doing so well in. This is one of the huge messages to these congregations is this. I'm afraid because I look out and I see Christianity as a whole. People who say I believe but are not obeying. And this is a big thing because this ain't me saying this. Here, here's an apostle that's saying if you're not obeying his ways, his wrath remains on you. So you can't, you can't separate believing and obeying. Believing is the action of obeying. Amen? I just wanted to throw that out there as we go through this. Because if we're going to be a light, we have to know that we are obeying His ways. Okay? Now, with that said, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1. Now, this chapter here, if you have a caption above your, your scriptures there, it'll say the day of the Lord. This will be the day that, uh, that we're all looking for. This is that day of whenever he's going to return. But I thought it was very interesting in this because this goes a lot along with what John was saying. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need... To have anything written to you. Now, I want to stop right there because evidently Paul didn't live when we live. Because that's all anybody wants to know today. Is when are you going to return? When are you going to return? But I will tell you the same questions were asked of Paul in his day. These questions have never ceased. Like Tammy was saying, you know, I'm 62 years old. I'll be 63 before long. So anyway, I'm almost 62. But the thing is, is this, really and truly, all of my life I can remember, everybody wants to know when Yeshua is going to return. And I thought this was really odd that now concerning the times and seasons, brother, you have no need to have anything written to you. But yet, everybody wants something written to them. And I thought, I said, well, that's a funny thing. Why in the world would you say that? But then verse 2 answers it. 
He says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of Yahweh will come as what? A thief in the night. There's no reason to tell you when he's going to come because it's going to be as a thief in the night. What did Yeshua say? He said, if the thief knew the hour that he was going to come in to steal, what would you do? You would stay up and be prepared. But because his return is as a thief in the night, in other words, I can't tell you because I don't know. I can't tell you that I don't know the very hour. Do I know the season? Absolutely, we know the season, and we're going to get to that. It is a Sukkot season. But I can't tell you it's this Yom Teruah that he's actually going to return. But I do know that he's going to return on the day of awakening blast. We're going to have that sound, and we're going to go through the days of all. We're going to have our Yom Teruah, and then we're going to have our Sukkot. We know that because he's going to share that with us. But at the same time, everybody, no doubt, during this time, just like today, is concerned, when is he going to return? My concern is, is this. If we're not obeying the commandments, you better hope he don't return. Because when he does, wrath is going to come upon those who are not obeying what he says to do. This is why I'm saying the, the message is not so much about when is he going to return, is what shape are we in when he does return. You, you understand what I'm saying? This is what this journey of counting the omer is about. We come out, we're redeemed, but how are we going to be when we get the revelation on Mount Sinai at Shavuot? Because that now, this season prepares us for his return. And what I just read in John was, is this, those who believe in the Son that the Father sent has eternal life. But if you're not obeying what he says to do, or if you're not obeying the commandments, guess what he says? His wrath still remains on you. I just want to throw that out there because, guys, that's serious. I mean, we can have a lot of feel good, and we can go through all the motions. We can go through the motions and we can say this and we can walk down front. We can shake a preacher's hand. We can fill out a membership card. You can do all of those things and still have the wrath of Elohim remain on you. If there's not a change in your life that's supposed to happen at redemption. Verse 3. Now I want to play with this a little bit. It says, while people are saying, First thing I wrote down here is what people. We have to know who the people are. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Who's the them? Are we part of the them? This is a question. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So there's a question that we have to ask. Who are these people who saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them because he's using they, people, and them. He's not using a word, us, you, and we. But in verse 4, you see it change. It says, but you are not in darkness. So there's two groups of people that Paul is talking about in this chapter. In this letter that he penned, there's a people... They're saying that there is peace and security. There's people today trying to say that there's peace and security. I'm like, what are they smoking? Celery? Or what are they drinking? Definitely celery juice. Because 
if you don't think that this nation is on fire, and people in the networks that are sitting there saying, these are peaceful protests, and they're burning people's places down to the ground. They're coming into their houses. They're coming in, and they're vandalizing their houses and not being arrested. They're having to take the people that own the houses and put them in place of safety. I'm like, am I? I need celery. I'm just saying I cannot fathom this is where we are today. To where when people who are law-abiding are in their own homes, on their own property, but you're allowing people to come on your property, vandalize your property, keep you up all night, keep up the neighborhood, but yet you got to remove the people in the house because you don't want to mess up their protest. Guys, no, don't try to fight them because you're going to jail. And don't walk out there with a BB gun because you're going to jail. That There's a problem here. We are definitely in the season where wrong is right and right is wrong. We are in the middle of it. But he says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, that for that day to surprise you like a thief. Because you know why? It's like what you just know. We know the season that he's returning. We understand it. We're ready for it. Guess what? We're asking for it to come. We're praying for it to come. We're praying and we're going through these feasts and we're keeping his cycles because we know one day, literally, just like he came the first time, he's going to come the second time. He's physically going to return for his people. Amen. And so we are to be children of light because we're not in darkness. But these people that are saying peace and security, he's telling them that they're in darkness. Verse 5, he says, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Then he tells us something. So then let us not sleep. Remember the ten virgins? They were all sleeping, slumber and sleeping. But he's telling us, he's giving us a warning. So let us, the children of the day, not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. What that means, let us be sober, let us, be, let us remain stable. Let us be awake. Let us be sound. Let us be focused. Let's don't let every wind of doctrine pull us from one end to the next. Don't let us get sidetracked, but be focused on what the whole commandments and what the Father's plan for us, what is it? the seasons that we're in. Let's be focused in the seasons that we're in. Right now, we're in a season of counting the omer between redemption and revelation. The Father is trying to teach us all something in this season. If we're looking ahead to another season, we're going to miss what the Father has for us. Because a lot of times, we have to know that we have to be on His timetable. He's not on our timetable. Amen? So He says, let us stay sober. Let us remain awake. Let us remain with our, with our abilities to be able to think. Don't be drunk. 
having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation or the hope of salvation. Now, verse 9 is very important. And this is the reason as, as we get into these, and I know we've been talking about the seals and we've been talking about the different things of Revelation. The reason why I have gone the extra mile to minister certain things because I'm telling you that you have to know who you are in Him. Because whenever the Red Sea experiences start in our lives, if you don't know who you are in Him, you will panic. You will panic and you will start trying to think on your own what is happening and how can I do this? Like you're going to affect the outcome of something that the Father's doing. When the Father brought however this, whatever your way of thinking is, is like I said before, COVID, we just use the word COVID, it didn't hit just a town or a city, it hit the whole world. It threw the whole world in, in a spin. Whatever you think about it, it's not about what you think about it. What I'm saying is, is because of it, the whole world went in a spin. And because of that, people started exercising rights. No, I'm sorry. They started exercising authority over your rights to where you don't have them anymore. And it's not just here in America. It's wherever they live because each place has their own way and they have their own laws and rules, okay? But for them to turn around and say, you, that they can just, because they feel like doing it, there's a problem here. But there's a reason why the Father is showing us this, because this is going to get worse, and it's going to get more enforceful in the end. And how are we responding now with it is what's important. So he says, Elohim has not designed us for what? So guys, we can chill. If we believe and if we're following his ways, if we're the saints, if we're the ones who have the keeping the commandments and having the testimony of Yeshua, guess what? The wrath of Elohim is not for you. So you can relax. But guess what? We can relax, but we also need to have a heart to try to rescue those who don't know the commandments, who may have the testimony of Yeshua, but don't know the commandments and think that they've been done away with. Because the wrath is coming. Judgment is coming. Amen? And we don't want our loved ones to experience this wrath. Because the scripture still says you can believe, but if you're not obeying, the wrath still remains on you. I want to keep going back over and over that. That ought to light something in us to be able to, if we love our family members, and we at least be able to continue to pray and minister for them. Because one day when he returns, it's done. Because once that door, once, once that knee log gate shut, once that, during that time, there's going to be a lot of knocking. But he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. He does not going to say, depart from me, you people who believed in me. He says, depart from you, the people who are workers of lawlessness. Not following Taurus Lysus, that's right, who, who abandoned my teaching and instructions. This is serious, guys. But he says for us and for all of those, and you need to check your heart in here. Because if you're not following his ways, 
the wrath still remains on me and you. Amen. And that's just, I'm just bringing this out. I'm telling you this because I love you. Amen. For Elohim, yes, give him a mic. Is that red one on? Is it green? There we go. Yeah, you know, for years, Matthew 7 really bothered me because, um, you know, he says, um, um, didn't we, you know, the, the people are saying, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? That's right. Those aren't Hare Krishnas or Buddhists or Muslims. That's right. Those are believers. And I, you know, I used to go to uh, friends of mine, pastors, and I said, uh, you know, who is this talking about here? And I never got a straight answer on this one. And I think, you know, as we've come to the ancient paths in these last days, our eyes are starting to be open so we can no longer, um, you know, pray for half measures. We have to pray for the full meal deal for the people that we're going after because that indictment is to the church. Amen. So think about this. Yeshua had 12 disciples. All 12 disciples did lay hands on people, and they were healed and they recovered. Judas was one of the disciples. And so the thing about it is, but Yeshua said this, it's your faith that made you whole. That's the key. People can go in the name of Yeshua, and they can have every good intention, but guess what? It's not them that heals anybody. It's not him that raises the dead. It's the faith that raises. Amen? That's the key. It's the faith. And because that bothered me too. Because, man, that's a scary thing. But it goes back to Sardis, the church at Sardis. You have a reputation that your ministry is booming, but you are dead. That's a scary thing. This is why this is important that we have to know that is faith in Yeshua and keeping his commandments. It's both, guys. I know you know that, and I'm saying that over and over again, because if we get to the place to where we ditch the commandments or we try to pick and choose, I just don't want his, I don't want us to get in a place to where he returns. I don't want his wrath remaining on us as a people. This is what my job is to do as a shepherd, is to, to and, and for me first, to, walk this out, and then to minister it to the people, that, that we need to stay awake, stay sober, because in this crazy world, I'm just saying that we can start looking at our situations, and situations we'll start trying to figure out how we can fix them. And Yahweh is saying, you can't fix them, not if I'm causing them. What you have to do is remain in me, stay sober and, and steadfast, and then what I'll do is I'll show you the way through the wilderness. I'll show you when to drink water. And if it's bitter, guess what? Trust me, and I'll make it sweet. Amen. These are the things that the Father is teaching us in these times and seasons. So, as for Elohim has not des designed us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Yeshua the Messiah. So, we are the us, the people who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yeshua in this we are the us. The them are those. But here's the thing, like what Keith's saying. I hate to say it, but they are believers in Yeshua, Messiah, 
who is saying peace and security, peace and safety. And that's a false word. You got to understand because there's going to be leaders there also. In Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah went to the king and was telling the king, Nebuchadnezzar's coming. How many other prophets joined Jeremiah in the scriptures that you read about? None? Like, not even one? Like, zero? And these prophets, and there were hundreds of them, said, don't listen to Jeremiah. Well, who ended up being the true word? Jeremiah did. Because Jeremiah was following the ways of Yahweh, and he wasn't following the ways of the king. And what the king, he, he, Jeremiah was more concerned with what he thought than what the king thought. Nathan was another one that went to David. These are the prophets that you have to have in your life. That you know what? Because Nathan goes to David. David could, he was in, it wasn't out in front of everybody. It was in a little old hidden little place, a little room. Whenever he brought that, he said, you're the man. And when he told him that, David could have had him killed. And, and tried to brush it under the rug. But guess what? David knew because he had a heart after him. David fell, and David got in a place, and he probably didn't realize, how am I going to dig out? What am I going to do if I repent? What's going to happen? You go through all of these emotions. Father said, I need to cut this out. I'm going to send Nathan here. Nathan goes, and he tells him, and what does he do? He repents, and he fasts, and he prays, and he, and he's sorry. And he, is, he was sorrowful for what had happened. But what I'm saying is, is this. Look at David. David was a mighty man of Elohim. But he was in a place to where he shouldn't have been. He should have been out on the battlefield instead of in his, in his castle or his, his place in his throne room or wherever, looking where he's supposed, not supposed to be looking. So what I'm saying is, is things can happen to believers and we can get sidetracked and derailed in our life. This is what this message is, is to stay awake. Verse 10, he says, who died for us, so that whether we are awake, alive, or asleep, dead, that we might live with him. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. I've got so much up here. You see, I, I wrote all over this thing. I told Tammy yesterday I had my, all my notes, and then things got added to it. So I'm not trying to jump ahead. Colossians 3.1. Then if you have been raised with Messiah, seek the things that are above. Our minds need to be on things that are above. Where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of Elohim. This means a place of authority. Set your minds on things that are above. This is what this season is about, counting the Omer. This is about keeping our mind, keeping us focused where we're headed to Shavuot. This is a connection. This is a time I just, I've always said this, I just believe this, 
The reason why we're counting the omer, you might think it's dumb, you might think it's lame. Well, if you think it's dumb or lame, tell him. Don't tell me. But there, he says count the days and count the weeks. And there's a reason why he says it, and it's to keep us sober. It's to keep us awake, and it's to keep us focused going from redemption to revelation. There's something he's trying to teach us. So this time, to me, is a set-apart time. Okay? To me, this is not a common time that we're in. We treat it as common because we don't have a lot of meetings, and we go through, and, you know, we get up, and we'll say, Blessed are you, Yahweh Elohim, you know, and then we say this is the 20th day and so many. We say that, and then we, we move on. And I will promise you, and, and I'm the same way, if Tammy wasn't sending out the daily counting of the Omer, most of us probably wouldn't remember to count the day. And you'll probably go through this, and you'll probably realize that you probably forgot to do a few days. But the Father is trying to teach us, if we can't do what he asked us to do in the little things, you're not going to do well in the big things. Because what makes you think that you're going to be there and believe that a Red Sea is going to part when you can't even count a day when he says do it? Even though if he takes the foolish things to confound the wise, he's trying to tell us simply just do what I ask you. I give you an easy task, do it. Because if you can't do the easy task, you're not going to do the hard ones. Because we're, going to, we're not going to be people of faith. We've got to do this. This is important. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. What that means to me is, is things of the earth, counting the omers, dumb. It's not dumb, because Yahweh commanded us to do it. That's a commandment. He said, command, count the days and weeks. Now, how you do it, we have a way to do it. I'm not saying you have to say all the words, but you need to recognize, recognize that this is the 20th day, and this is the, the second week. You need to recognize and know that. Because the Father's trying to teach us something. He's really trying to teach us to stay focused. Be sober. Don't fall asleep on him. Hey, babe. Yes. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Amen. So it could kind of tie in, in a, the pattern. Amen. That's and right. Number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Amen. So we can be trained in that along the way too. Amen. Verse 3, for you have died, that means your old man, leaving dead, okay? And your life is hidden with Messiah and Elohim. When Messiah who was, who is your life appears, then you shall also, or you will also appear with him in glory, whether dead or alive, awake or asleep. Okay, however you want to say that. Whenever he returns, we're going to be, because we're hidden in him. Verse 5. Verse 5. Verse 5 tells us to do something. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay? Now, as a non-believer, or as a believer that has these things going on in your life, he says, put these things to death. Because really, if you don't put these things to death, these things will put you to death. This is really just putting it in English. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And he says something very important in verse 6. On account of these, what's coming? 
The wrath of Elo God's judgment day is coming. You can't prevent it. So by standing up here and, and ministering and telling everybody all the great things about Yahweh, it's also love to tell you that because of these things that's in this earth, because guess what? He told Noah, build an ark because judgment day is coming. Build an ark. And he ministered to the people for hundreds of hundred so years or whatever it was that he took and he built it. But here's the thing. Noah, Yahweh told Noah, judgment was coming, and did the people listen? No, a few animals did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A few animals did when they heard the voice load up. Because guess what? He didn't tell. Didn't it say, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the what? Did Yahweh tell him when the rain was coming? No. He just knew it was coming. And a good sign was, is when the animals started loading up. He didn't come down and tell him, Noah, the animals are coming. The way the word reads is, he looked up and the animals are coming. Everything was built, everything was finished. When the pitch was put on it, the door was open, and the animals loaded up. So if it's going to be the same way, we might not be privy to when the rain comes. But we will have a sign to know, and these signs are in his word from the prophets. This is why we need to read it. We need to obey his commandments. It keeps us focused and sharp, keeps us sober. When we're not in tune with him, we're just punch drunk. That's what we are. We walk around like we're punch drunk. We're not reading his word. We're not in tune, and, he, and we're just don't have this connection. We're not spiritually in tune. We're not praying in the spirit every day. We're just... In other words, we just come to Shabbat once a week, get our eye salve, and we go home. You know, we just get the red out, and then we go on home. What happens is, is, is things are going to start happening, and the animals are going to start spiritually showing up, and you're not going to know what's going on. Where are these animals headed? Have you ever noticed it's really amazing to me when a tsunami hits? Does Yahweh come down and say, hey, there's a wave coming? You know what? The weatherman don't even tell you that. But you know what? They always say animals start heading where? High ground. Guys, we are a fallen people. Evidently, them animals, they're just suffering because of us being fallen because they're in tune. Because I can promise you, unless they got an animal radio station somewhere telling them to go to higher ground, they're going to higher ground. It's something within them. It's just amazing to me that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be. We have to know that Noah wasn't privy to everything. But what he was privy to, he took it serious, and he was responsible with it. We're not privy to everything, but what we are privy to, we better take it serious and have the responsibility to walk it out. This is what I'm saying. Because if, if Noah would have said, you know what, it's good, we'll build a boat. He'd give him all the wood, that's fine. But if he wouldn't have built the boat, guess what happened? When the, guess what? The rain's coming. Whether that boat was going to be built or not, the rain's coming. It's just Noah put action. He believed, he believed and obeyed. If he would have just said, I believe what he said, but he didn't build the ark, he would have drowned with everybody else and we wouldn't be here today. That's what I'm saying. Believing and obeying works together.
Okay, where am I at? Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Oh, I read that one. Verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of Elohim is coming. I said judgment is coming. He says, in these you too once walked. And guys, you know we did. I'm going to sit there and polish your halo. It says, when you were living in them, before we accepted Yeshua as our Savior, we walked in these things. And because of these things, the wrath is coming. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Blessings and cursing shouldn't come from the same vessel. I just want to say this right here. Your mouth reveals these things below. All you got to do is listen to yourself speak. When you get angry, when people get angry, they don't usually say, I love you. They usually say all kind of other things that they have to repent of later. So you can see that angry, wrath, malice, slander, all of these things have to do with the mouth. And he's saying not let these things come out of your mouth if you're a believer. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Okay, let's go to, I'm going to finish up here in 14, I mean, you know, 25 and 26 in John. I wanted to get somewhere to, where I could land. So I'm going to land here. I said all of these things, but I'm coming now back to the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh. What is his job? And what is his part? It says, verse 25 and 14 of John, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Ruach, the HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do something. What will he do? He will teach us all things and bring to remembrance. We hear this word remembrance a lot. About the feast, always memorialize, always remember. He's saying the Holy Spirit's going to teach you and bring you in remembrance of some things that everybody else is saying is done away with. Because remembrance is being remembering something that's already happened. So he's bringing, he's teaching us, and he's going to bring in remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, the Holy Spirit, that's his job. All right, track with me for just a moment. Before Adam's fall, was the Holy Spirit active and alive and well? Absolutely was, because in the beginning. Because in the beginning... When the world was without form, what brooded over the world? The Ruach, the Holy Spirit did. So Adam, after creation, and on the sixth day, when he made, Elohim made man and beast, and he breathed, Yahweh, his spirit into Adam, he became a living soul. So while Adam was there, what was the Holy Spirit's job? The Holy Spirit still had a job. And it was to comfort and to help Adam. His job in the beginning is to be a comforter and a helper. He was to help and comfort 
Adam. All right, but Adam didn't have a mate that was suitable for him. So Yahweh put Adam to sleep. He took the rib or the womb or whatever and made a woman, someone, what? Suitable for him. What's that word? Exer connecto. Exer connecto. What does exer connecto mean? A helper against him, one who opposes. Work with me on this. Okay? One who opposes, exer connecto is what it says. I'm making a helper who opposes you. That's where I'm headed. I knew Tammy was like, don't make my Holy Spirit negative. I'm not making your Holy Spirit negative. I'm just saying, what's the function of the Holy Spirit? What's his job? It is to comfort and to help. But if you're not doing right, it is to oppose so that you will repent. I'm going to read something Halisa said here. Well, let me read this little piece. I think she said this too. I don't know. I get stuff, but I know she's saying this other. She probably said this too. Listen to this. Because mankind has yielded his vessel continually to wickedness and violence, ignoring the principle of their creator's justice, then the very Holy Spirit that was created to be man's helper and comforter will become a helper against him to bring him into judgment. That's what that word means. That's what helper means. The Holy Spirit has two functions. To comfort to help, or to be a force against you if you're not doing right. Let me read this, what Halissa said down in this paragraph. This comes from chapter 13, Measure Against Measure. It says this, guys, you got to get this. If you can't get this, we're in trouble, okay? The measure of justice between human beings is determined by heaven, not by men. We'll read that again. The measure of justice between human beings, because who created the human beings? Yahweh did. So guess what? He's the one that brings the proper justice. The measure of justice between human beings is determined by heaven, not by us. This is why he gives us his Torah. To read, we have to know that. Because what? A lot of times we're worried about the justice of men. And, not, and a lot of times the justice of men doesn't line up with the justice that's, justice that's coming from heaven. Okay, read it again. The measure of justice between human beings is determined by heaven and not men. This was established when Elohim formed Eve from Adam so that she would be an exer connecto, a helper against him. In other words... If the husband does well and walks in the Holy Spirit of his creator, she is a divine help. But if the husband is walking contrary to the Holy, I mean, the commandments, if he does not do well, her very existence is against him. And you know why that is? It's because she came from him. You can't separate them. This is the thing about husbands and wives. This is the things about being one. 
He took apart and he brought back together again. He gave, he gave, because you know what? Yahweh's not dumb. Yahweh is smarter than we are, as Brad would say. Because he gave, he, he put Adam asleep, gave him a helpmate from his own self. Argue with yourself, we do it all the time. But he, from his own self, didn't create something from somewhere else. From Adam, he created her and brought Eve back to him as a comforter and a divine help. Because you know why? Because Yahweh knew Adam was going to fall. And he knew that when Adam fell, the Holy Spirit, is going to be waging against us until we repent it. Now, if we repent, then guess what? He gives us the Holy Spirit back to be a helper and a comforter. But he did this in the beginning to show us exactly using man and woman exactly how he operates in the heavens. If this is what the job of the Holy Spirit for us, he says, guess what? Big dog, I'll give you an eggs there connecto so if you ain't acting right, she's going to put you in a half Nelson. She's going to be there to let you know that you're not doing right. Because that's her job. But if you're doing right, she will be a divine help and a comfort to you. That's marriage counseling, guys. Marriage counseling 101. It doesn't get any plainer than that. If anger, malice, and all of these things, you ought to know, married couples, what's coming out of your mouth? If these things are coming, what are you clearing your throat for? You got something to say? <laughs> you got you eggs? Yeah, you give me celery stuff. Look. But no, but really and truly, I'm just saying, marriage counseling 101, right off the bat, I'm just saying, if these, if the works of the flesh is Men, it starts with us. It, we're the priests of the home. It starts with us. If we're not lined up, we can't expect our mate to be lined up because our mate came from us, and our mate is designed to put us back where we're supposed to be. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it's designed to be. That's right. Adam didn't do his job. He was the guard to keep. And because of that, but see, the father knew. I'm just telling you, he is so much smarter than we are. He said, I don't care how you mess up, you ain't getting out of it. Because I am placing somebody in your life that's going to make you do right. To make you, if you don't do right, then you can have a beautiful, miserable marriage all your life. I'm just saying, this is why this is tied in together. Because guess what, guys? I don't care what mankind thinks. I don't care what the psychologists say. I don't. You can do point A, B, C, and D, E, F, G, and you can go X, Y, and Z. It says judgment comes from heaven, not from men. And you're going to do it his way, or you're not going to have peace in the home. That's really what he's saying, because the Holy Spirit's design was to comfort and to help. Our spouse is to comfort and to help. If there's not comfort in helping, there's a problem there. We need to first, men need to first check us. And then if that's not right, then we can figure that out. 
counseling. Okay? But I'm just saying this is what happens first. But I honestly believe, I really do honestly believe, honestly believe that if we got ourselves together, it's Yahweh's deal to put it on the mate to get her where she needs to be. Amen. So, we'll close with this portion of our journey of the rite of passage. It is really so important, though, really and truly, guys. The Holy Spirit is given to us. But if we're still walking in the flesh, if we're still grumbling and complaining, the Holy Spirit is, if we're sinning is what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is designed to work against us. It's a force against us to do what? To get us back so that we would repent and get back on track, and then he can become our helper and our comforter again. That's what we're really saying because I have a burden. When I read this, I had a burden like never before that whenever I read that in John, when it talked, because I'm telling you, I hear this all the time. I believe, I believe in him. I believe this, I believe in that. And not do, and, and tell you that all the commandments are done away with. And that's, and you know what? According to his definition, he says, the wrath still remains on these people. Now, you figure that out yourself. I'm not saying it, but I tell you what, it's enough to make me try to take heed of trying to explain to them in love. We need to check our temperature here because there's still ten virgins and five of them didn't make it. Five of them was ready. Five of them believed. Five of them did. But whenever they didn't have the oil, they had to go get the oil. And when they got back, everything was over. He come as what? A thief in the night. And when he came as a thief in the night, they wasn't prepared. So here's what the message is to us, and I'm going to finish with this. Guys, we need to be prepared because we don't know. We need to be prepared because we may think we're prepared, and you may think that you've got plenty of time. That was one thing I appreciated about Mark's message. You think you got plenty of time until you're laying in a COVID unit, and then you're realizing, is it my time? Do I have? These are the things that's important to us. One day, we're doing fine, and the next day, we can't see anybody. We can't have visitors with anybody. We got to Facebook somebody. Not Facebook, FaceTime them to just have some kind of connection. It can happen just that fast, just that quick. Amen? Let's pray.